Welcome back to the PCP. Thanks for listening. And uh, so I just realized something um, recently that, you know, I think my friends asked me to record this as kind of maybe because um, we can't get together nowadays with COVID and with, you know, rules to lock us down and, you know, just in general interest of protecting everyone's health and safety um, over this illness. So I guess this is kind of a maybe an indirect way you know, to, for me to share some of the stories that uh, have occurred in my life as if, you know, if we were having drinks or, you know, having a supper or something like that. And in hopes that, you know, I hope people find this entertaining or maybe have a laugh or two with uh, my ineptitude. But, you know, today I'd like to tell about the times I've been blackout drunk. So I've been a few times, three that I can recollect. Um, you know, I not much of a drinker, especially nowadays. Like I think I average like maybe one a month, and that's more to just kind of drain the inventory of booze I've bought, I have in my house for whatever reason. And you know, I'm not a not much of a heavy drinker, even in you know the the old days where you know drank a bit more. Uh, I guess the first time I ever got blacked at is uh, we ha- I was playing ball hockey and the team I was playing with you know to raise some money for jerseys and stuff you know we had a pub crawl and I remember the night starting off you know with, with some pre-drinking uh, I can't remember whose house it was but uh, uh, one of my university friends uh, Frank the Tank we'll we'll have an episode about Frank one day uh, you know he brought a little you know mickey that was mostly empty to share so I, you know and uh i just kind of grabbed his hand and i just kind of polished off the last you know fifth or sixth of it and he kind of rounded on me he's like that was for us to share i'm like whoops uh any case his uh his now wife uh brought us some more uh tasty tasty shots to have i don't know how many i had um i just know that everything kind of went blank and uh, I came to and it's funny how your mind can be disconnected from your body because when I came to everything that occurred in my head was wondering where I was how I was there and what I was doing I realized as you know uh, my senses came online that I was upstairs on a double-decker bus my ball hockey team had rented I was dancing like an idiot um, at the encouragement of my ball hockey team. And we were on our way to White Ave, um, you know, kind of starting to get a little dilapidated, uh, but, um, you know, back in his heyday, it was a bar alternative uh, lifestyle area in our city, in Edmonton. Uh, I don't know what happened there. I'm pretty sure there were some other drinks because uh, I started passing in and out of being conscious probably still awake but in and out of being uh conscious for sure and uh frank and uh crusty they're good buddies they're still good buddies to this day they they'd broken off with their uh fiancés at the time and they had kind of gone off uh to do their own thing and you know i promised to meet up with them later so one of my buddies on the hockey team um buddy actually from high school you know um helped me out kind of dragged me <laughs> over to where they were 
and I remember saying it's like you look like shit and it's like because I was in no condition to be anywhere and th and the thing is coming back now yeah I don't think I was going to be allowed to any other place because I was just going to pass right out so eventually my, my buddy on the balky team dragged me like to his house to crash uh, you know he didn't he didn't live too far away it felt like a, a uh, forever distance and I remember uh, making him kind of stop so we could see if the bus come and hop on the bus for a couple blocks never never came but anyways made it um took a little while to recover the next day and then off i was gone uh my second blackout and i will call this my second worst hangover is after i got married uh to my now ex and uh you know we had the ceremony at her her parents' place uh, instead of my relative's place, which was actually a weird thing uh, for alcohol, for traditional Vietnamese culture. My dad was actually very angry, kind uh, kind of rushed it, and I didn't uh, realize I was being put pressured, rushed, um, you know, being suckered really, as I found out ten and a, uh, eleven and a half years later. But in any case, um, so we eventually uh, went to so. The, the wedding was actually very early in the morning, at six or seven at the church. And then we had a lunchtime um, banquet, which is actually very normal for Vietnam. And I uh, spent a little more time there. Then afterwards we went to um, my my uncle's place where it'd been my grandma's place and when she had passed, she had passed it on to my uncle, my dad's youngest brother. Uh, it was actually under renovation, being renovated, um, you know, being built up bigger and, you know, uh, renovated inside. And that's when my dad was at, angry at me. And he was right. And he was right about a couple other things um, about my marriage. And, you know, so we got there. We had a anytime there, you know, a bunch of people to get together in Vietnam, you know, there was, there was always going to be a little bit to eat and drink, right? A little mini banquet or a bigger one. It's more... Uh, uh, fit for the occasion but in any case so after sending my wife and her family off um, you know there was leftover food and stuff and uh, you know so my uncle invited the workers uh, the contractors to you know have a bit to eat and drink right and to, you know help thank them for working on the house and things like that and in Vietnam there's a tradition um, you know, amongst the uh, guys, you know, drinking together, right? That you kind of, you know, to build camaraderie, it's like, you know, you, um, you know, you kind of share, share a shot or you each take a shot between someone, between yourself and someone older, someone younger, right? And that uh, kind of builds these um, filial bonds. And as I was the new, new groom, I was given the choice, right? Because he presented a shot glass to me filled with uh, local rice liquor. And they thought I was gonna, you know, take half a shot, and I just downed the whole thing. And all the guys are impressed, right? Because typically, foreign-born uh, Vietnamese usually can't you know, hold a candle to them drinking. I couldn't, but you know, I wasn't gonna back down to a challenge. So she was kind of half cut already. So uh, I drank with everyone around the table. So I was probably another 10, 12 shots. And I found uh, Vietnamese rice liquor is kind of like tequila, where uh, it kind of cues up in your digestive system and at some point uh, when there's too much it just kind of flushes itself into your system and you black out which is what happened to me uh, so I remember uh, after I think 
last shot I can remember anyways, you know, kind of took a deep breath, looked up at the beautiful evening sky and, you know, remarked to myself how warm it was, how nice it was, a gentle breeze. And I came to a little bit later, banging on a table and yelling something to my girl cousins. I have a lot of girl cousins. Um, so they're all laughing at me. Uh, next thing I know, my auntie too, um, that's what I call her, she's my uh, dad's oldest sister. We don't start numbering at one. Um, there's a superstition thing. I can't remember what it is, but the firstborn's always labeled number two. There might be a confusion thing in there. I don't know. I don't want to make things up. But she started yelling at me to get on the phone because my wife was on the phone. So I go pick it up and you know, I ask her you know, how she was doing. Oh, you made it back home safe? That's great. And I was screaming on the phone. In my head, I was, you know, suave, cool, you know, the envy, like James Bond would have been envious. I found out later, a few months later, I was screaming so loud, my mother-in-law could hear it on my ex's cell phone. And, you know, uh, she, you know, she asked, she knew, but she asked, and I sheepishly uh, told her that, yeah, I had been pretty drunk that, that night. Uh, any case, um, so at some point, you know, went to bed, I was tired, right? And everyone was tired. And, uh, at three in the morning the next day, so this is about, I don't know how many hours to sleep, like maybe four or five, right? The old man, you know, rightfully being mad and also, you know, needing, we need to get going because it was like several hour trip to go from where my relatives live, uh, to Ho Chi Minh city, just call it the city a lot of the time. Um, you know, and we had to get going, you know, double check where all our stuff is, if everything is packed. So he, you know, kicked, he didn't kick me awake, but he, you know, got me, got me to wake up and, you know, kind of rolled over. And next thing you know, I'm running out the door and throwing up at my aunt's gate. <laughs> uh, so yeah, after uh, getting stuff together, getting on the minibus, I kind of passed that on one of the bench seats in the back. And at some point, um, I woke up when we got to the ferry, uh, you don't need the ferry anymore. They built a bridge finally. Uh, you know, I just woke up, I think, for like a few seconds and then passed out. And I woke up again. And you know, I sat up and I was like, oh, where are we? Because uh, if you're not in the heart of the the bigger cities, right, everything kind of looks the same. Like people will build houses actually relatively close to roads. Um, even actually uh, to the bigger highways in Vietnam. I I'm, don't know if that's changed now, but uh, this was back in 2005. Uh, so yeah, that was true back then. And about a few minutes, I was like, oh, I had to throw up. So I grabbed the bag and I yacked. Then the driver and a couple other people were mad that, you know, because the smell of puke was filling the, the bus, told me to yell out the building, right? or throw it out the, the bus, not the building. And I was like, uh, I don't know if I... But, you know, I got yelled at more, so I yelled it up the, the window when we were passing this corner. I almost hit this lady and her kid crossing the street. And, like, when it, it popped on the sidewalk, and I could smell it, and I was like, oh, God. Somehow I didn't throw up another time. But, um, yeah, that, that was uh, number two. So, not to leave you in suspense, the worst hangover I ever had... Uh, 
and I don't know why it seems to be always related with Frank. Uh, there was a time where um, every time I got really drunk or kind of in trouble during drinking, it was always with Frank the Tank. Hmm. In any case, this was at his wedding. So this is years before mine. So uh, we went to the service. It was uh, a, a lengthy Catholic service. I felt it was lengthy. I have no idea how long Catholic services are supposed to be, but I almost fell asleep. Uh, but the banquet was in a hall in Devon. Uh, it's a hall-motel combo. Uh, so the bar was completely open. Frank is uh, from Red Deer. And, you know, a lot of his relatives live from rural areas, so um, this is kind of like, I guess, more rural-style wedding, right? So open bar was uh, typical. Uh, there's no bartender, actually. The bartender came later. Um, but, you know, for the first, it, it was really just liquor bottles with mix on table, help yourself. So we started pouring pretty rich drinks, like, I think some of them were half and half. Uh, at some point, I'm... I'm saying second drink, but I'm sure I at least had a few before I came up with this harebrained scheme. Uh, I noticed Krusty was, I think he was drinking a little bit light. I think he didn't want to get sick. And, uh, or he said he wasn't feeling too good. And in my head, it's like, this is bullshit. You're at a wedding. You're getting drunk. So, the next time I went to get a drink, I filled another glass with rye. Because he, Krusty was drinking rye and gingers. And uh, when I brought it back, I hit the, the glass full of rye. Uh, well, Cressy wasn't looking, you know, in the centerpiece. So anytime Cressy turned away, I would tip in a bit of rye into his drink. And he had no idea. He had no idea for years. And um, when he kind of figured it out a couple years later, he, he thought Beardsley had done it to him. And even though Beardsley protested his innocence, right, and kind of cussed him out for it, you know, Krusty didn't move. I, th there was a time where everything uh, bad that happened to Krusty, uh, he blended on Beardsley, um, including Rambo. That is a different story. Uh, that actually will require uh, quite a bit of time, so we'll see that for another time too. But uh, you know, I, I eventually copped up to it, but this was a while later. <laughs> You know, Krusty was still, uh, he could still remember that day, and he was still wondering why, you know, his drink seemed to be always full, and the last few, which had, by that point, being were poured by the bartender, tasted nothing but rye, but he was pretty drunk by that point, so he'd, he had no idea. So, I think 11, 12, after the last dance, or whatever, right, the halls shut down, and me and Beersley, you know, we, um, you know, met up with a bunch of Frank's cousins, and, you know, the party continued. I missed out on an obvious booty call. Uh, I had been talking to this chick. I have no idea which... I think she was a brunette. That's pretty much all I can remember. She was squeezing my leg between hers. Uh, she eventually left. Probably she was mad because I wasn't getting the signal. And, like, I think a few minutes after... Everyone... Everyone is like, Why didn't you go with her? And I was like, What do you mean? She was obviously signaling she wants, to, she wants you to go to her room. Mother, huh? So, uh, to double down on it, I went around banging on people's doors in the middle of the night. Somehow, security wasn't called. I came back uh, <laughs> uh, through uh, with a walk of shame, but uh, you know, to make me feel better, we drank some more. <laughs> and 
during you know the continued drinking uh you know it's when his cousin actually offered up chew and i don't smoke i very rare actually uh probably more commonplace now but um for a person of my generation uh from vietnam it's very rare that i yeah it's very rare for a man my age not to smoke but i've always had bad lungs and it's awkward social but that's uh, again that's a different thing but uh one of the cousins offered some chew and being drunk i was going oh, what the hey right uh usually wisely turned it down uh, i had heard uh that some brands of chew they actually like kind of mixed in little bits of fiberglass right and the the fiberglass would kind of cut up cut up your lips so that you could absorb the nicotine faster well uh in spite of my drunken haze i found out it was true because that shot of nicotine woke me the hell up wired me any any point at some point i think at seven like everyone was tired out and that's kind of like okay you know we gotta get some sleep and for some stupid reason we thought uh i thought we had to get out of the hotel room by like 11 30. right so now uh so beers is like okay at least we'll get a couple hours and then we'll get going so you know passed out for a couple hours you know beers wakes me up you know i and first thing i do is roll over and run to the washroom and just empty my guts right and i think i threw up another time and you know we get cleaned up and you know get her stuff throw it in his car and uh you know get down to the gift opening which is around like lunchtime or something and crusty came kind of <laughs> crawling in uh, pretty much right and he got back at me he didn't realize he got back but he got back to me i told him to like he picked up dairy queen and the smell of those burgers for whatever reason just rocked me so i had to run off and throw up throw up another time right i almost passed out on the toilet um he just came and found me so i am just dying right and we're just kind of suffering through this uh gift opening at some point i was like i, I had to lie down so i went to go i crawled over and crumpled beside a piano in the hall and everyone in frank's family had a good laugh had the asian who they thought probably couldn't hold his liquor uh I believe Krusty also sent one of Frank's cousins, one of his kid cousins, over to kick me while I was down. Yeah, I had no idea. But at some point, like, uh, Beardsley, uh, you know, picked me up and said, okay, we'll get you back home, right? And the worst part of this hangover was the fact that I eventually threw up another time at home. So I threw up, like, five times that day. Is that Beardsley, uh, in, his, in his prime, you know, he could literally drink, in which he had done, to seven in the morning, sleep for three hours, and be sober, and chipper as all hell, right? That made everything ten times worse. But he drove me home, right? And uh, he crashed my place for a bit. We watched the NFL finals between the Raiders and Pats. It was a snow game. It was the infamous Tuck Rule game. And I remember, I actually remember this right because Beardsley was so confused uh, at the call in the field. We actually looked up the rule book, the NFL rule book on the internet. Yeah, <laughs> good times. Uh, I guess for my third and final blackout, um, up to this point in my life anyways, is it was actually during the first time I went to Mexico and uh, at, at only all-inclusive in Puerto Vallarta. Um, you know, it, 
the day uh it was like the middle of my stay there i stayed there for a week and um i started with like the the pool bar had like you know big board with all of these names of drinks and um, or mixed drinks i had no idea what they were so i started with the rob roy so those of you who know uh, what a rob roy is you're probably laughing uh the fact that i order one at nine in the morning and now that i order it and not even after i gagged after taking the first sip and realizing it was uh just pretty much all whiskey i finished it anyways and then i had then i continued drinking through the day I met a, a newlywed interracial couple uh, from Chicago. Um, at some point, probably in the afternoon, we were we ended up playing some kind of uh, pool game led by the hotel. Uh, the the host um, asked the guy's name and you know where he's from, and uh, he ended up being called Mr. Chicago. I don't remember his name. I just remember him as Mr. Chicago. Uh, any point, so. Just a little before it went, went down to the pool that day, I noticed they put banners up. I think it was some kind of uh, local golf tournament. Because uh, later in the afternoon, uh, you know, I started talking to you know this Mexican fellow, uh, local. Like I had no idea, and you know we just got talking, shooting, shooting the shit, and uh, suddenly I realized, wait, where are all the other tourists? Right, and the pool was just filled with the Mexicans, and I guess it was like, oh, this is, you know, the, all the guys from the Mexican golf tournament. I think the golf tournament was actually the next day, so they came a day early to to relax. So at any point, at some point, um, someone brought over tequila shots. You know, we we toasted each other, and uh, a few of these, or a lot of these later, I have no idea. I just woke up, wrapped in my sheets. So again, where was I? How was I here? Why am I here? And, you know, waited for everything to kind of come back online. So thankfully, I was alone in my hotel room, in my swim trunks, which is fine. Because uh, I had, you know, smart every time, like, they, you know, the hotel always recommended and I'd followed the recommendations to, you know, lock away my passport, wallet, phone, all that stuff in, the ho- in your room safe, right? So I just had my card key and, like, you know, my swim trunks. And um, the hotel said that they were very, they knew, uh, you know, who everyone was, which room they were staying in. So it was no surprise I ended up in my room. Because um, actually, uh, when during that bit of drinking, uh, the host from the game and some, I think, some other hotel staff had been there as well. Uh, so you know, I, I was still a bit drunk and sorely tired, so I passed out for a little bit more, and then I woke up to, you know, one of the worst headaches playing was in my life. Um, so I, as I was laying there, you know, getting everything kind of realigned in my my head and my body, I was thinking, okay, what do I remember? I think I threw up in the elevator because I remember like a fire hose pressure of red whatever coming out of me. Uh, when I checked the elevator later, as I went downstairs, uh, either I had imagined me throwing it, like throwing up, or had been cleaned up. Uh, and the reason I thought I'd thrown up because the color I remembered in my head was the same color as the puke all over the little desk in my room. Um, I actually ruined a book and some other things because of it I left there. I actually left the, uh, hopefully it was a big tip, um, you know, for the cleaning stuff. They hadn't been taking my tips uh, all week and, you know, I've been leaving them. And I wrote a message imploring them to take it because I made such a mess. Um, 
but the reason I think the reason they hadn't been taken is because uh, when I booked the place, they said the the hotel said they were the tips were included, but Dennis and Big had um, gone to similar places. And said it's it's always better just to leave a tip, right? You know, you get a little more a little more help and stuff like that. Um, you know, I didn't was asking for more, right? But you know, my fridge was always stocked. You know, things were always good. Um, and you know they they don't make very much anyways, and so I was like you know what's a few extra dollars from me you know it helps them in the long run. Uh, in any case, so after this I, after I got my stuff together I went downstairs, and some of the staff smiled and as they asked me how I was doing I was like, good, good. I actually ran into Mr. Chicago and his wife, who thought I had died, and they were glad I was safe and sound. So, I would assume I didn't do anything too bad. Um, I found that as a drunk, I'm, I'm more chatty and, you know, not violent, not angry, generally. Um, you know, I just kind of, you know, flap my gums a bit like a moron. So, just like sober me, except a little bit more. In any case, as part of my hangover remedy, I actually found a fire place, a place to serve fire in Puerto Vallarta. It was run by an expat uh, Vietnamese lady who had moved there from New York City, right? She told me how expensive it was actually to get all the ingredients. And, you know, she charged um, expensive, would have, would, uh, an amount that would have been expensive for locals, but not for tourists. And, but she made a fantastic, or her, her chef made fantastic, you know, soup. Actually got an extra bowl of it. And it actually brought my spirits back and, you know, and, you know, kept me alive for the, the rest of the trip, which where I didn't drink at all, or had, you know, maybe the odd one or two, like maybe an odd cerveja. But, uh, yeah, good times. Anyways, thanks for listening, and uh, I guess catch you on the next one.